You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 141. Let's get to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits Podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and it's always an honor and a privilege to have you and your attention for the next 30 minutes or so. And today, we are going to discuss empathy. Now, why is empathy at the top of my list? Out of the 50-some-odd topics I could have chosen for this episode, empathy is showing up for me because we are currently in the process of moving my girlfriend's belongings from Southern California to Huntsville, Alabama where I have recently relocated us because my family's here and for business and work and pleasure and frankly, California and Los Angeles after 13 years just got a little old. And one of the things that we are experiencing with the moving process is a lack of empathy by the moving companies. And it's rather appalling and it's very upsetting most of the time. It's very uh, challenging to curtail my emotions and not allow myself to just want to rage against these movers. We hired a company called Nationwide who actually ended up becoming the broker for the move, meaning we hired them and then they just went out and found other moving companies to move our actual belongings, which in the end, we could have just cut out the middleman and just gone directly to that mover, but there's a lot of logistics and all the stuff involved. And so not having a lot of experience moving things um, two-thirds away or three-fourths the way across the country, it seemed the most uh, adequate way of getting this show on the road. Now, for those of you who are middle school, high school, college, probably haven't actually had to do a major, major move uh, without your parents' involvement. And therefore, they were the ones who took on a brunt of all of this stress and and logistics and the worry and what's happening to the belongings and such. And maybe for some of y'all, you've never moved outside of the state or town that you were born in. And so you may or may not have any of this experience. But once you graduate college, there's a very good chance that you will find yourself in a situation where you will hire movers and they will move things around for you, especially as you get older. Now, going across the nation versus moving from Los Angeles to Vegas or Los Angeles to San Diego is going to have a lot more hurdles to overcome just based off of distance alone and the amount of states that have to travel and the different rules that they have for these truck drivers. So we uh, we opened ourselves up for a lot of different variables to this, and we were told 8 to 21 days, and, and I'll get to the point on this real quick, is that after being told 8 to 21 days, um, after tomorrow, it'll be past the 21-day mark. And mind you, these contracts are ridiculous, and they say things like no weekends, no holidays, uh, you know, bad weather could hold them up, or car accidents could hold them up, and it doesn't take in any stretch of the imagination 21 business days to move belongings 2,000 miles. I mean, maybe if they were doing it in like a horse and buggy or like old school pioneers and doing it in a sooner schooner, perhaps. But that's not what they're doing. <laughs> and so 
the issue we're having is that we believe, and from what we've gathered from all of the operators and all of the customer service people we've talked to, that basically our stuff has been sitting in a storage facility for the last seven to ten days, if not longer. Um, just sitting there waiting for them to figure out how to get a moving truck from Nashville to Huntsville with our stuff in it. And as if that wasn't bad enough, because we signed a contract knowing full well that this could take up to three weeks, if not longer, and that's just business days. What's bothering us is that none of the operators, none of the customer service reps seem to have any empathy for the situation that we are in. And mind you, we signed a contract. We understood the ramifications of 21 business days. But it's the lying. It is the outright lying. You know, oh, the truck driver's driving. Oh, we don't know where the driver is. We, uh, the contract says this. The contract says that. We understand what the contract says. What's hurting our feelings, if I could even use that sentence, because our feelings aren't getting hurt by this as much as it's angering us, that, and we're choosing anger, mind you. We've discussed that you choose the emotions you feel. And yes, there is a certain amount of gratitude that we were able to make this move, that we have a home, that we have a house, that we have deer in the backyard. Like There's a lot of gratitude. There's a lot of thankfulness. But when it comes to the movers, what's really tearing me up is it's the lack of empathy to understand that we are in a house with no belongings. It's like a bed and a TV. Those are the only two things that we purchased for the new house and a washer and dryer. Other than that, it's like the things we could put in her Prius and the stuff I had already brought out in my Santa Fe when I came out for things last Thanksgiving. We have been eating off of paper plates and with plastic silverware for the better part of a month now because we got here on May 28th. And then when this podcast got shot and when it will air, is it's currently um, June 21st. So we're coming up well well beyond the um, three-week stage of this entire thing, and it's it's the lying. And so why we're going to discuss empathy today is that I could not even believe the lack of empathy that comes from the people on the other end of this phone line, the the sarcastic or just the angerness, that they, the angry that they would throw our way for us wondering where our stuff was. And when you've talked to six different people and they've all given you six different answers, that's that's obviously what upsets us the most. One person says Nebraska, somebody else says St. Louis, another person says Kansas City, then we got Nashville, then we got a driver calling us from Texas saying he's moving to Florida, but he's got somebody flying out on an airplane to get to Nashville and he's somehow going to get off the road and drive 12 hours out of his way to get here to move things around for two hours. And the whole thing just sounds like people are making things up as they go along. And we just are looking for some empathy, for somebody to say, look, I totally get it. I have been in your situation. I have been sitting in a house waiting for my belongings for days and days and days on end. I'm so sorry that this is what's happening right now. Yes, it is. It's in the contract. I understand that we have the window that we have, but it doesn't make what you're going through any less difficult. And I just want to let you know that we are doing our best to get you your stuff in the fastest amount of time that we can logistically make happen. And please just bear with us and I'll make sure that everybody else is on the same page. Something like that. Anything that would even remotely act like they cared about our plight. And I understand that they're probably fielding these calls by 20, 30 people a day. So they're just getting over it at some point. But if you're on the other end of a phone line and your sole job is customer service, you are going to run into this. And at some point, if not, you already are having a job where you work in retail, hospitality. So you're a waiter, a bartender, a hostess, a, a, a barback, whatever it might be. 
And this day and age, almost all jobs have some level of service-oriented behavior and strategy going on with them. Very few times will you find yourself in a position where you do not have some level of care needing to be directed towards customers, clients, coworkers, teammates, members of your study group, other people who are also involved in the same club as you. Any of these people fall under this umbrella of a customer care, of, of understanding what your role is in the dynamic and being empathetic towards other people's emotions when things may not necessarily be going the way that we had hoped, that we had planned. And we've discussed that planning is priceless, but plans are worthless. We have discussed that. At the same time, when things aren't going as planned, it is an awesome opportunity for someone, anyone, and because you listen to this show, I'm calling upon you to step up into that leadership role and say, you know what, I understand things aren't going as we would like or as we planned, but this is the situation we found ourselves in, and I would love to hear what you have to say and what your feelings are about this, and then we will begin to unearth what everybody's concerns and feelings are, and we'll bring those to the group, and we'll heal ourselves, we'll fix them up, whatever we can, and we'll move forward because the project has to get completed. One way or another, these people have to bring us our stuff unless they just decided to outright steal. And honestly, nothing that is that worth of stealing. So we know it'll show up. What condition? Uh, that's, that's a lot to be determined. And we can't wait till we get to argue with them about uh, the condition of the couch or the grill or the refrigerator. And this is going to be a blast, no doubt. And I doubt we'll get empathy on that end either. So what we're going to do today is we're going to discuss empathy and what you can do to show empathy in your life. Because a lot of people might misconstrue empathy for sympathy, and they're not the same thing. Sympathy is um, seeing that someone's in a deep hole, that they're in a predicament, that something negative, that undesirable is happening in their life, but you remain um, elevated from it. Not necessarily like you think you're above them or you're on a pedestal, but you haven't gotten down into the muck where they're at. So a sympathetic person might um, try to slap a silver lining on the other person's situation rather than acknowledging their pain. And you may have experienced this from somebody else or done this to somebody else where they might, you know, you casually say, hey, you know, hey, Bob, how's your day? Oh, man, it's just, it's not a good day, man. Just the kids were crazy or the roommate was loud or the dog is peed all over the floor and just what a way to wake up. Ah, well, you know, just put a smile on your face. See the silver lining in it all. It'll all be better. Let's go to the meeting. Let's go to the job. Let's go work on this. When you minimize what somebody else is experiencing, that is sympathy, where you'll be like, oh man, that's a bummer. Oh well, uh, let's just move on, right? That's sympathy, and it's it's pretty fake. Most people will, will give off sympathy pretty fakely. Um, even if it's just, if, if very minimum, you will say something very kind and put your arm around them if, of course, you have the kind of relationship with them that you could hug them. Um, and it's still, it's just like, oh, man, I'm just, that sucks. Shit, you know, what are you going to do? Oh, blah, 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 blah. Oh, all right. Well, I mean, that sounds like a good plan. Okie dokie, moving on. Sympathy is great. It's absolutely something that we can all be working on. But when we talk about empathy, that is feeling with the person. It's understanding what the hole they might have themselves in, the predicament, and getting down there a little bit, getting down there with them, being vulnerable and sincere, connecting with them. An empathetic person 
recognizes the person's struggle without minimizing it. So when you're showing sympathy and you use word patterns that minimize what the person's going through, know in that moment you're showing sympathy, which again, isn't necessarily bad. Not taking on other people's emotions isn't the goal. Even with empathetic people, it should not be the goal, right? Because now you're almost trying to get down in there. You start to cry with them. And and now there's a part of them that's like, oh, should I be supporting you? Like I was the one who just had this thing happen to me and now I'm sad, but now you're crying too. Like we're going to discuss that when it comes to empaths here in a moment. But when it comes to wrapping up the sympathy versus empathy, the sympathy will be, uh, you might minimize um, the pain that the person's going through and trying to slap a silver lining on it. And this can be a knee-jerk reaction for people when they don't feel comfortable sharing their emotions or having other people share their emotions with them. When you don't know what to do with somebody else's emotions, we can often try to slap a silver lining on it. We can try to say something positive and encouraging, but that minimizes what the person's going through. Yes, they understand. Let's just smile. They understand, hey, it could be worse. You could be, I don't know, dying of dehydration in the middle of a desert. Yeah, thanks. It's great to know I could be dying in a desert from dehydration and starvation and maybe even having snakes chase me. Or I could not have my stuff right now and it could all be locked up in a warehouse that they refuse to bring it down to us that's only two hours away. You're right. You're right. Absolutely the same. I'm so glad that you put my life into perspective for me. That's absolutely going to make it that much better whenever we have to eat out for another fast food meal or another uh, grilled cheese sandwich. Thank you. Thank you. At least I have grilled cheese sandwiches and I'm not dying in a desert. I appreciate your connection with me. (laughs) Whereas empathy might be like, oh, man. Yeah, you know, tell me about that. What 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 are you experiencing right now? Asking some questions. And we're going to get into a step-by-step here in a moment because you know me. I love to give you action steps. So empathy doesn't just happen naturally. All right? We live in a society that wants to go, 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 go. And so to encourage others to slow down and stop and just take a moment to connect with someone, to be conscious of the choice we make in that moment to actually understand what that person's going through. To take a few minutes out of our day and just ask a couple questions and just allow that person to share. Right? The more we practice this, the more empathetic we become as a society. Right? The more natural, the more habit-driven, the more intuitive it becomes. For me, from my perspective, when I've gone to show empathy in the past, there can be this um, it can be sort of like this timer going on in my head. Where I think, okay, well, I've got five minutes until I'm supposed to be at this appointment, or I've got, you know, 15 minutes until my break's over, or I've got, you know, to do this one thing in 30 minutes. This isn't how I had expected to spend my time. I don't really want to bother with this person. And I'm, it, let's be very clear here. I'm not by any stretch of the imagination telling you that you always need to be at your most sympathetic, that you need to stop everything that you're doing to embrace somebody else's feelings and get down in there with them in that hole and find out what's going on in their life. That is not what I am requesting of you, let alone demanding of you. You will do whatever you do. These are your opportunities when someone does approach you and says something that if you're thinking, huh, what else could I be doing in this situation? Showing empathy is an opportunity to bond with that person. It could be at the deli counter and somebody's running around back there and they're getting their asses handed to them and people yelling orders at them and getting frustrated that it's taking them so long and they're the only one back there cutting the meat and the, cutting the cheese and weighing it all out and cleaning the blades and they're, they're doing as best they can with the resources they have. They're the only one back there and they're busting their ass. 
you can show empathy just by being like, man, you know, how's your day going? I, you know, boy, you seem like you're hustling, but you're really working hard. I would like to commend you for how fast you're moving back here, considering your, your situation. What, you know, is this, what's this like for you from your end? And just let them give you a, a brief moment of, oh man, this is, this is, it's this, that, and the other. Oh yeah. You know, I absolutely can understand that. I can empathize with that. I have definitely been at work and had 15 people yelling orders at me. And it's just like, where do you go? And it's like, what are you doing right now? And you know, they might say I'm just burying my head in the sand and just you know, and just trying to ignore all the people yelling at me, or they might say I'm wishing I could grow a fifth arm out my ass. Whatever it is, that's their opportunity to just share a little bit of their day. They're not going to stop and get on the therapist couch in that moment. They're just going to be happy that somebody is acknowledging the difficulty of their job in that moment. So, where are other ways that you can see empathy? I remember last year um, we had to put. Uh, my uh, girlfriend's dog, Buddy, to sleep because um, he had had some seizures and um, his back legs were starting to fail him and he just he couldn't control his legs, he couldn't walk, he couldn't control his bowel movements anymore. And the it just got to the point where, you know, one hour of good dog throughout the day wasn't wasn't paying any dividends for the 23 hours he seemed to not be enjoying his life any longer. And he was 19 years old. This dog had done it all, man. His dog had lived in seven states. He probably done more than most people. So imagine that we have Buddy the dog, and, and he's, his age is requiring us to start looking at um, his mortality in a different way. And we kept him happy and comfortable for months, months past whenever the doctor said he would he would live. And they had you know said, don't worry, he'll natural causes. Well, natural causes didn't come into play. And ultimately, we had to call a company who came out to the house, and we got to hold him and love him and kiss him. And for the last few days of his beloved life, we fed him all the steak and the pork chops that we could, and you know, just fed him and loved him and held him, and, and just it was it was a sad, sad moment to watch um, Buddy take his final breath. But that was us showing empathy towards Buddy. We could have kept him alive so we didn't have to face the pain and the trauma of watching our beloved little pup. And I'd only known him for a few years, but Jen had known him for years and, you know, for <laughs> 17 because she got him when he was two. And so that was empathy. That was understanding that what was going to benefit us was not going to benefit Buddy. And that was us saying goodbye in the most humane and loving manner that we could. And so... That's another way that you might see empathy show up. And so um, there's three different kinds of empathy. Um, there's cognitive, emotional, and compassionate. And this is from me going down a wormhole. Um, I looked for other forms that, that had been decided by psychologists or scientists or you know educators, and these were the only three that I located. If you happen to find any more, hit me up on social media and let me know. So there's cognitive empathy, and this is simply knowing how the other person feels and what they might be thinking. It can be called perspective taking. Now, for those of you who've been listening for a long time, you know I teach neuro-linguistic programming. Um, uh, I've got my master practitioner's um, certification in that, as well as my certification to actually train it and teach other people to become practitioners and master practitioners. And there is a um, NLP process that we teach called perceptual positions, where it actually allows you to go from your first person point of view into the other person's point of view, the second person. And it also um, teaches you how to step out of both first and second person and see it as the observer. And that's where cognitive empathy comes in. It's being able to take on their perspective, right? Being able to see what unfulfilled needs are they experiencing right now that I have also 
experience as unfulfilled in my life. If you go back to the episode that um, I talked about when it was the Six Human Needs, episode 134, when we discussed the, the basic six human needs, these are certainty, uncertainty, and variety, um, significance, I'm sorry, yeah, contribution and love, uh, contribution, love, and connection. Let's start over. Let me spit these out the right way. Certainty is the first one. Uncertainty and variety is the second one. Then there's love and connection, the third one. The fourth one is contribution. The fifth one is growth. And the sixth one is significance. And so when you want to empathize with what somebody is going through, you can do that through understanding what of these six needs have n- are not being fulfilled in the moment and where in your life have the, have, has the need that they are currently not experiencing fulfilled not been fulfilled for you. So if it comes to the move, right, you may never have moved your stuff all the way across the country. But to us, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a, there's a lot of um, lack of certainty, um, right? So we are certain they have our stuff. We are very uncertain of when they will give it back to us, right? Because we are so stressed out about all of this, it's making it very difficult for us to want to leave the house and, and go out and connect with the community or be around our family because we've got this in the back of our head, like this needs to get done. We have got 88 boxes and then 23 things that were too big for a box getting ready to show up. We've got a lot of work ahead of us. Right, so there's it. So there's stress around the connection, and then there's also, you know, how can you grow a relationship whenever you still feel like you're just circling above a house that you don't feel like you can nest in yet? So where in your life could you understand the uncertainty of not knowing where you're going to live, or what your living situation's like, or not knowing where your belongings are, or not having the things that you really want around you around you? Because we're humans and we collect things because it makes us feel comfortable in our life. So where in your life have you been uncomfortable because you have not had something that you really want? Now, it may not be my air fryer that I'm currently wanting back or the grill or the pop-up tent or the wagon with our comfy chairs so we can go to parks and picnics with people. But somewhere in your life, you've experienced what I've just described to you. That would be cognitive empathy. It's being able to take one of those six human needs, find out which one I am not having fulfilled right now, and then find a moment in your life when that was also unfulfilled. Now, all of a sudden, you don't have to be a Syrian refugee on the coast of Greece who just sailed across the Mediterranean Sea, who's now being told that there's no place for them here. You can just simply say, I, you know what, I can actually empathize with that because I have definitely had my entire life uprooted. I have been moved and not had a certainty of where I was going, not had a job lined up, not had, you know, think about all the uncertainty you had when you went to college. Sure, it's not the same uncertainty that somebody has sailing across the Mediterranean Sea in a crap-ass boat, hoping it doesn't capsize, and then finding that the place that they've been longing to get to doesn't even want them. But at the same time, there is that same uncertainty, that same need for love and connection that you don't necessarily feel when you first step on campus. So while they are very different predicaments, there are similarities because of the needs that aren't being met. And now you can empathize with that lack of love and connection. And you can ask questions based upon, oh, I'm, I'm sensing that you're lacking a love and connection right now, that you're lacking certainty. There's too much uncertainty going on right now. I remember when this was happening, so I absolutely can understand and empathize with the uncertainty you're feeling right now. 
And that's what these movers could be doing, but they're not. And perhaps they're worried about us suing them or some contractual obligation they might breach if they tell us how bad they feel for us. Whatever it is, how about you just try being a human today? So the other, um, there's two more. Emotional empathy is when you feel physically what the other person is going through, right? Almost like they get, they put it upon you, like it's like a, it's a contagion, right? It's like somebody just coughed their sadness onto you and now you're sad. Empaths exude the emotions another person is sharing with them quite often. And while a lot of people like to hang their hat on that they're an empath, and you can be a physical or emotional or an intuitive empath, where you can take on somebody else's physical um, complaints, um, emotions, you can take those on. Or if you're an intuitive, you can just have a heightened sense of intuition. Um, it's like you feel like you're getting... Um, intuitive imp- impasse can be broken further down into a bunch of different subsets, and we won't get into those. But a lot of impasse, a lot of people who think that they're extremely empathetic will take on the physical or the emotional aspects of the person who's sharing with them. That is by all means not something I'm going to tell you is a bad thing because I'm not in your world. I am not in your shoes in that moment, so I don't know what you're experiencing. But if you dive too deep into the physical or emotional empathetic side of this, when you're being emotionally um, empathetic towards somebody and you take on so deeply that now you have the pain that they have, it's going to be really hard for that person to open up with you whenever now all of a sudden you're crying or now all of a sudden you have a stomach pain just like they do. Because they were coming to you for support, and now you are actually the person who needs to be supported. So be very mindful of how you step into emotional empathy and make sure that you 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 can be sad, you can you can have the mannerisms and you can match and mirror and model their emotional behavior toward you as they're sharing the their currently unfulfilled needs. But if you get too deep into it, then you actually um, could turn that person into the person who's supporting you. They might actually feel bad that they've just made you sad or that they've just made you feel some level of pain. And in the future they might be less he- they might be more hesitant and less likely to come seek you out for support. And if your goal is to be supportive, then you want to be mindful of how you are offering that support. And then there's the compassionate empath. Um, these were where people pleasers and volunteers can fall into. When you have this kind of empathy, you understand the other person's predicament. You, you absolutely can bridge the gap between their unfulfilled needs and where in your life you've also felt those needs unfulfilled. And then you could be driven to actually want to help them where you're like, oh my goodness, I must go feed the homeless. I must sit down with someone who's downtrodden and hear their story and understand their plight and then figure out ways to help them. I can step into the compassionate, empathetic model very well because of what I do. I do these podcasts, I coach, I teach, I train, I speak. So I'm very compassionate when it comes to my empathy. I'm like immediately, I'm thinking of 10 different ways I can help somebody and I want to jump right in. That is what we're getting ready to dive into next. Because offering unsolicited advice or immediately giving people solutions or offering to fix their problem isn't actually putting them in the seat of empowerment. It can actually set them back. It can, it can increase their feelings of disempowerment. And ultimately, it can lead them to think less of themselves, have lower self-esteem because they couldn't figure them out a way out of their own situation. In college, you are going to find cognitive, emotional, and compassionate, empathetic opportunities all around you. 
right? Whenever you can take on somebody's perspective of when they didn't make the sorority or fraternity they wanted to, or they didn't make the play, or they didn't get the leadership role in a certain class. You have the opportunity to listen to a roommate cry or be upset after a breakup or after a heavy day of drinking and the emotions that come pouring out. You have an opportunity to be empathetic emotionally in those moments. How deep you decide to let yourself dive into their emotions is going to be completely up to you. But we've already covered why you don't want to take on too many of their emotions and then all of a sudden the, 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 the supporter becomes the needing to be supported. And then there's the compassionate. Lots of groups, lots of organizations in the university world, in the high school world, hell, even in the middle school and elementary world, want to volunteer. They want to go out and they want to help the community. And that's when you are being compassionately empathetic. When you hear somebody else's story and you're immediately like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that's happening to them. I want to go help. Family members who are loving and kind might do this if you find yourself in a situation like we are currently in. We've got family members offering us, you know, silverware and dishes and in ways that they can help. We are currently um, helping my um, brother and his wife fix up their house. And so there's a lot of compassionate empathy for helping them get things situated so that they can move into their new home and feel comfortable. So Brene Brown, who is a renowned, um, who's renowned at this, um, psychologist and masters and all that jazz. I mean, I've heard, talked about her plenty of times. She says that there's perspective taking. Staying out of judgment, recognize emotions, see, recognizing emotions someone else is feeling, and then communicating that you understand an emotion. She says these are the four ways for you to be empathetic. Per, take on their perspective, perspective taking. This isn't taking on their emotions. This is perceptual positions. This is the cognitive empathy where you can take on their perspective and be like, wow, I, have, I totally understand. I, I can feel you when you say that this need is being unfulfilled. You can ask them what need right now is not being fulfilled. And you could rattle off through the certainty, uncertainty, the love, the connection, the, um, the contribution, the significance, the growth. You could rattle through those. And it's going to more than likely be one of those first four. Love, connection, certainty, uncertainty, and significance. It's going to be one of those four almost every time. And once you find that out, you can then build a bridge from when you felt that and when they're feeling it now. So there's your perspective-taking example. Staying out of judgment. You might have a preconceived bias about this person, about their situation, about the people they're talking about, right? You want to release your biases of what you've experienced in your life. Your experiences are beneficial as far as helping you become empathetic in the moment, but giving advice based off what you've experienced or uh, sitting there saying, well, you know what, I've moved before and it wasn't that bad is not helping anybody. You are minimizing what somebody else is going through. Literally had that happen with friends and family about this move. Well, that's surprising. When we moved, it was super simple and nothing went wrong. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that non-beneficial story. (laughs) I'm so glad everything worked out for you great while we're sitting over here, you know, with two chairs and fold-up tables. That's awesome for you. And again, I understand first-world problems, but they're nonetheless issues that we're facing that we're seeking a solution the way out of. So saying to somebody, oh, so sorry you don't have your belongings. You know, there's people starving in another country, not helping. Yeah, I understand there's people starving in another country. That's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about the fact that we don't have our belongings, that we can't nest in our own home and we feel like we've been staying in a hotel for three weeks. But thank you for reminding me that there are starving people on this planet. Now I can feel even more like shit for having feelings about what it is I have feelings about. 
You're awesome. Thank you so much. I will definitely call upon you next time. I need support. (laughs) So stay out of judgment. That's the moral of that little example. Recognizing emotions someone else is feeling, right? This is your emotional empathetic opportunity. This is whenever you can step in and recognize that someone is feeling an emotion. You don't have to solve the emotion. You can be there to support them while they feel the emotion. This is extremely important. They're not necessarily seeking advice from you. They might just want support. The human mind is amazing. The moment it is brought upon a problem, it begins to seek out solution opportunities. So rattling off the five ways you think you'd solve your way out of this issue isn't helping them because they more than likely have already thought of those. And for whatever reason, they still are calling upon you for support. You can ask a question after they're done, after you've communicated, and here's the number four. Let me get through this. Communicating that you understand the emotion. I understand the emotion because of this, 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 or this. I have experienced it. That's when you can become really connected to not only the cognitive, but the emotional empathy. And now you've really locked those two in. Cognitive emotional empathy when you've gone through perspective taking, staying out of judgment, recognizing emotions someone else is feeling, and communicating that you understand an emotion, that you understand the emotion that they're going through. You can then, if you decide to jump into compassionate empathy, then say things like, okay, well, can I offer you some advice? Or having heard everything that you've just described to me and discussed with me, I've got some ideas. Would you be open to hearing them? When you ask permission to give advice, when you say things like, may I offer you some advice? Can I give you a couple tips that I've experienced that have worked in the past? Um, Are you open to us sitting here and brainstorming about this? You know, when you ask them permission to share with them your advice, your opinions, then you're, you are actually getting them to open up consciously and unconsciously to what it is you're about to say. When you give unsolicited advice and people never asked for it, then they're going to start either comparing what you're telling them to what they've already thought, or they're just going to think, uh, and they're going to be in their head wondering why you're giving them advice when they didn't ask for it. Or three, they're going to sit there and while you're telling them the advice, they're going to be more focused on how they didn't already think of what you're talking about and feeling bad about themselves. And they're not actually going to be listening to the advice you offer. You'll know they didn't listen to the advice you offer when they say things like, I know, I know, I know, or yeah, 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 I get it. Or yep, I've already thought of that. Or, yep, I already did that. Yep, I already heard that. Right? That's when you know that your advice is falling on deaf ears. And more than likely, it's because you didn't ask them to provide it first. You just went ahead and started giving unsolicited advice. So when you want to step into the compassionate empathy and you you feel this, sponta- this spontaneous desire to help them, make sure you ask them first before you help, just start randomly helping them. Whatever you're getting ready to do may not be what they actually want. And so now you've given, they've presented you an issue they're going through. And now you might hear that and then get off the phone with them and then immediately start calling up. Oh my gosh, did you hear? Jesse's having a horrible time with his move. I think we should make him a bunch of dinners. You know, Susie, you make Mexican. Billy, you make Italian. You know, Joan, you make Greek. And uh, Fred, you make, you know, American. Right now, everybody shows up at my door with food. And that's not what I actually want. That's actually not what I, the support that. I need. I actually already have food in my fridge or I'm on a special diet or whatever it might be. And now you're presenting me with a solution that I didn't actually ask for. Now I have to feel 
compelled to thank you profusely for doing it because you did show effort and obviously your heart was in the right place. But what your action actually brought about to me wasn't what I needed for support. It wasn't exactly what I was looking for. Right, so now I've got to feel super grateful and super thankful and shower you with attention and you with affection for doing something for me that I didn't ask you to do. This is why asking somebody, how can I help with this? What is it I can help you do in this moment? When you really offer help, ask them how they could use the help. And if they're like, oh, I don't know, just maybe make me some food. Okay, well, what can I specifically make you? Is there a certain day you would like this? Get them to give you specifics so that you can do your best to meet the need the way that they are envisioning it in their mind being met. If somebody's like, well, you, you know, you, you can make me some food. All right, cool. All right, well, then I'll be over later with some food. And you hang up. Well, what are you going to make? Red beans and rice and cornbread? What if they don't like any of that stuff? Now you've made them food and it's like, it turns out they're allergic to red beans and rice and cornbread. They can't eat any of it. Now you show up there with all this stuff done, you're feeling super good about yourself, and they're like, yeah, if I ate any of that stuff, my face would puff up, my throat would clog, and I would die. And you're like, well, shit, right? Now all of a sudden you, you know, you either are pissed that you spent all that time and they didn't tell you what they really wanted, right? When in the moment they were feeling so sad or so rejected or whatever it was they were feeling that they maybe didn't know how to ask specifically for what they wanted. But if you can instigate the specificity then they will be more apt to deliver it to you. And um, we'll get out of here on this. Um, this has definitely gotten long, and I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I have. And I had a whole other part, but I actually think some of this stuff would be even better for later, is um, when you offer words like, I will be there to help, just reach out, just give me a call, just let me know how I can help. Understand that a lot of people already found it pretty vulnerable to step into a seat of awareness that even allowed them to be sad or show you their emotions to begin with. And a lot of people could say things like, well, feel free to reach out, feel free to reach out, feel free to call, don't worry, don't worry, text me anytime. They may not have the self-esteem or the fortitude to start that conversation after they walk away from you. If you really want to be of assistance, if you really want to be supportive of this person, then you be the one to reach out and understand that they are already in a tough position. They've already been vulnerable. They've already shared. And just because they've walked away from you, feeling a modicum of happiness from that connected moment does not mean that the situation is solved for them. They actually could just leave. And now the dopamine and the serotonin that their brain released because they were feeling connected to you and they felt supported and they felt your empathy, they walk away from that. The dopamine and serotonin wear off and now they're back to right where they were. Right, So now their emotional state is low and they don't feel any better. And it wasn't like you were going to solve their problems by listening, but certainly they're not in the same emotional state they were in whenever they walked away from you and you offered to help them anytime they reached out. So next time that they're looking for some support, they may not remember or they may not feel confident or they may not feel like they want to bother or burden you. These are all opportunities for you to reach out first and say, hey, I was thinking about what we talked about the other day. How's that going for you? Has anything worked itself out? How how has a solution been determined by you? Or what's your resolution to this? Start up the conversation, and then you can step back into that seat of empathy. Empathy is something that our society could be working on day in and day out. When the left and the right, when a social justice issue crops up, when something the Supreme Court is deciding upon becomes the center focus of our society, what we're lacking is empathy to understand the other person's 
situation, the other person's plight. We all have our opinions, and they are generally grounded in beliefs and morals and values. Therefore, we hold on to them extremely tightly. And when somebody else approaches us who doesn't have the same viewpoint, we feel our morals, ethics, and values being challenged. And when that happens, we just tend to go human and react rather than emotionally groundedly responding. So when you want to show empathy to somebody, taking on their seat of awareness, stepping in for a moment into their shoes, is a great way to do that first things first. And if you're doing that with the expectation that they will then do it back for you, then you're not stepping into a seat of empathy and awareness that's actually heart-driven. You're doing it for your own, your own means, your own desire to have your needs fulfilled. If you're expecting somebody to start asking you questions about your day or to ask you what your opinion on this particular topic is, and that's the only reason why you're showing them attention and, and empathy in the moment, then you're not being heart-led. And I'm just telling you that as somebody who's experienced it from both sides. You make the decision how you're going to live your life. Because in the end, no one controls your behaviors. No one controls your emotions or your thoughts or your actions other than you. You're the person who gets to step into this emotional intelligence 2.0 lifestyle. And now we've discussed empathy. And I really hope that you have an opportunity in the near future, having listened to this and really absorbed it, to understand where you can begin to show empathy towards others around you in your life right now, today, in your own house, in your own apartment, in your own class, in your own study group, in a club, in your Greek house, wherever it might be. Hell, it could be at the deli counter. You don't know that person from anybody else. They are just a random soul that you come across that you need a half pound of sliced pepper turkey from. But if you can stop for a moment and just sincerely ask them how their day is going and ask them a couple questions that show that you actually care and not just the standard BS responses people give back, you could put a smile on that person's face that lasts the rest of the day. And sometimes that's all we just need in this world. It's just one person to reach their hand out and say, I'm here with you. I understand. As always, my friends, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. Every day is the best day of my life because I wake up sober. If you would like to know more about how to live that lifestyle, head over to the From Sobriety to Recovery podcast. By all means, I have revamped my show notes and you will be able to locate those uh, first and foremost on the From Sobriety to Recovery show and then soon here. So if you would like to reach out and know more about how you can be involved in what it is I talk and teach and speak about, by all means, check out the show notes. I have all my links there and more soon to come. As always, my friends, it's been an honor and privilege to be here with you today. Go out there and be awesome. Bye-bye.